Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Our text for our meditation this morning is recorded for us in Numbers chapter 23, verse 19. God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he say something and then not carry it out? Does he speak and then not bring it about? Lord, these are your words, and therefore they are your truth. We ask that you'd increase our faith through them. Amen. You may be seated. Dear fellow redeemed, usually we think it's a good thing when something is reliable and dependable. I think about certain products like an iPhone or like the Verizon network or like a Ford truck or maybe a Chevy. We like things that are reliable and dependable, maybe even knowing that when we call 911 that the emergency personnel are are going to respond. But perhaps it's not always considered a good thing when things are reliable and dependable. I think about those occasions when I've gone to a, a new school and tried to make new friends or maybe looking for someone to date. It isn't the reliable and dependable people that have interested me, but maybe the ones that are edgy and spontaneous and eccentric. Maybe those who are reliable and dependable appear kind of boring. On the other hand, if you find yourself in trouble, who would you rather have as a friend? Today we consider this truth that God is reliable. Got a question for you this morning. Do you want God to change? I think there's many Christians in the 21st century that would say yes, at least to some degree. Maybe we reason, well, God, we're in the 21st century. Times have changed. People have changed. I understand, God, why you had those restrictions and commandments against things such as sex outside of marriage and and homosexuality, but things have changed. We have birth control and and safe sex and those sorts of things, so shouldn't you relax your commands, your laws? What about something like transgenderism? After all, God, I know in your word you said that you created them male and female, but there's a lot of people that I know today, a lot of guys that feel like girls and girls that feel like guys. Shouldn't they be allowed to follow their emotions, do what's right in their heart? Isn't it time for a change concerning your word? You know, I wonder if maybe the reason that we seek such changes in God is probably for perhaps two reasons. Maybe the first is that we ourselves want to participate in such things and we don't like that God's word says that it's wrong. Or maybe we have a friend or a family member that's caught up in such things and We don't like the thought of what they're doing is wrong. But perhaps the second reason that we want God to change is really, in fact, more common for us as Christians. We don't like the hatred of the world. We don't like when the world calls us bigots or sexists or homophobes or idiots or morons or any such things. In fact, we want to reason with God, well, God, if you would maybe relax on some of these things, then maybe more people would listen to your word and and listen to the gospel message. Wouldn't that be important and good? 
But Jesus says in God's word this, if the world hates you, you know that it hated me first. As much as we think that the world is not going to hate Christians if God would make these changes, the world will continue to hate Christians. And the reason is, is because the world really hates the central point of Christianity. That Jesus proclaimed, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The world hates that. That Jesus claims to be the only way to eternal life, the only way of salvation. The world hates that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. You know, when I lived down in Florida, I lived in a, a pretty metropolitan area in the city of Kissimmee. And I remember driving downtown on many occasions and seeing a man there that was rather peculiar. He was carrying with him this massive wooden cross that he had on his shoulder and he'd carried around. I'm sure he wanted to make a statement to the people driving by that he was a Christian and that he was carrying his cross for Christ. What I found a bit humorous, though, is when I looked carefully, I noticed that at the base of the cross, where it touched the ground, he actually had affixed wheels to the bottom of the cross to make it much easier for him to carry. And sometimes I wonder for us if that's the case it is, that for us when it comes to Christianity, that we want to make the burden of the cross of Christ much easier for us to bear. And so we wish that God would change his word or maybe some new interpretation would come out so that we would receive less hatred and heat from the world. But Jesus again says in Mark chapter 8, If anyone wants to follow me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. In fact, whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation the Son of Man will also be ashamed of him when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. It's a very striking statement that Christ will be ashamed of us if we are ashamed of him and ashamed of any of his word. Really what we seek to do by perhaps changing God's word though is changing even the gospel message. We seek a different gospel, not the gospel of salvation through Jesus Christ as a savior from sin, but a different gospel, the gospel that there is no sin at all, so you have nothing to worry about and no reason for a savior, which is really no gospel at all because we know the reality of our sin. We know that evil exists in ourselves and in the world. How important it is then for us to hear the truth when it comes to sin. Which comes to my second point today. Not only do we at times want to God to change his word and himself to change, but thanks be to God that he does not change. You know, what if God did what we wanted? What if God said, all right, I, you know, I see your point. I, I see that times have changed. So, you know, I'll, I'll make a few changes to my word and I'll send it down to you and, and you let me know. Let me know what you think about them. Holler if you need anything else. We like that. There's part of us that would say, yeah, that would be great. Experience less pressure and hatred from the world. But would we really want God to change? Because if God can change his law, his moral law, for all people of all time, 
Couldn't he then also change his gospel? Couldn't God one day come and say, you know, all that business that I said about Jesus dying on the cross for your sins and that everyone who believes in him will be saved, well, I take that back. You've just been too bad. The world is too terrible. You're on your own. That would be horrifying, wouldn't it? Rather, we rejoice in this truth. As God says in Malachi 3.6, certainly I, the Lord, do not change. And how precious as it is to understand that his gospel for sinners like us does not change and never will change. You know, one of my favorite passages in all the Bible is 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 13, and it says this. If we are faithless, he remains faithful, for he cannot deny himself. I like that passage, and I like all passages in the Bible that make us look terrible, that kind of give us a worst-case scenario, because I think there's thoughts and times in our lives as Christians when we imagine, what if I fell away from the faith? God gives us comfort that even if we were faithless, he would yet remain faithful to his promises because he cannot deny himself. He cannot change and go back on his word. What a comfort that is. Comfort concerning our sin, that God remains unchanged, that God will always welcome us back to him. Reminds us of that parable of the prodigal son. You know it well, don't you? That son who kind of treated his father as if he was dead and demanded the inheritance and he wanted nothing to do with his dad anymore. And so he went to a faraway country and he squandered all of that wealth, thousands and thousands of dollars on prostitutes and drinking and partying, and soon it was all used up. And there was a famine in the land and, and the son finds himself in a desperate situation as he's feeding pigs and he's starving so terribly that he wants to eat the slop that the pigs are eating. It's at that point that he remembers his father in his house and how much better the workers of his father's house had it than he has right now. And he knows his father would never take him back as his son, but maybe, just maybe, he would take him back as one of his workers. And so he has this plan. I'm going to apologize for everything that I did. And then I'm going to ask boldly that he make me one of his workers. And as Jesus tells it, he describes the father when the son comes back. He doesn't describe the father as as saying, oh, there comes that worthless son of mine groveling back to me. Fat chance that I'm going to take him back. No, the father runs to his son. And before the son is even able to spit out his apology to him, he's already put the coat on his back, the ring on his fingers, the sandals on his feet. He's called to slaughter the calf. And he says that that son of mine who is lost has now been found. The one who is dead is now alive. Despite the faithlessness of the son, despite his sin, the father's attitude toward him remains unchanged. This is still my boy, still my son. And he welcomes him back into the family. What an awesome picture of God's unchanging grace and faithfulness and reliability. That same God that declares there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus and that the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from all sin. You know, it's really good when we find reliable people in our lives. Sad to say, even the most reliable sometimes can fail us. But not our God. 
As it says in our lesson for today, God is not man that he should lie, nor the son of man that he changes his mind. Does he say something and then not carry out? Does he speak and then not bring it about? God does not lie. God does not change his mind. God does not go back on his word. He always follows through with what he says. Rejoice in that fact. Rejoice that God's grace always stands for you. May it inspire you as well to take up the cross and follow him. Amen. Invite the congregation, please rise. Let us pray. Dear Lord God, our world despises you and your word. Because of the heavy cross that we must bear at times, we have wanted you to change and your word to change, to be more in line with that world. Forgive us for our sinfulness, for despising your word and not wanting to suffer for your name's sake. Help us ever to rejoice in the truth that you do not change. We rejoice that despite our sin, you will never forsake us, but your forgiveness and love always stand. Amen. And we sing the next verse of our hymn. bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. Amen.